The one thing that I'm really, really convinced of is if you chase everything, you'll catch nothing. You're listening to the Building a Coaching Culture podcast. If you need to compete and win in the 21st century labor market as an employer of choice, this podcast is for you. Each week, we share leadership development, coaching, and culture development insights from leading experts who are developing world-class cultures in their own organizations. And now, here's your host, J.R. Flatter. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is J.R. Flatter, and I'm your host of Building a Coaching Culture. I'm here with the famous Lucas Flatter, our co-host. Hello. So just reminding ourselves and everyone else, talking to leaders of complex organizations that are trying to create a coaching culture to be competitive in this 21st century hyper-competitive labor market. How do we attract world-class talent, keep world-class talent? So one of the things I've been thinking long and hard about is, and I know this sounds cliche, but this relationship between why I do what I do, the demographic that I'm focused on serving or called to serve maybe, and then the niche, niche, depending on what part of the world you're from, that I'm serving so I want to have a conversation about the intersection of why demographic and niche or niche, mm-hmm. which is funny. I don't know if you've been to Barcelona, but you're driving down the main, one of the main avenues in Barcelona. There are literally hundreds and hundreds of niche graves carved to the side of the rock as you're driving down this major highway, which is the origination of the word. It was your place of rest carved mm. into something was your niche. And so every time I talk about this, I think about Barcelona. Yeah, that puts a morbid spin on the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody invited me to go on a tour of the catacombs in Rome. I'm like, mm, I don't think so. I think I could live without that one. Yeah, that's the beginning of an Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> <laughs> so the why, I've just reread Simon Sinek, Start With Why, which I think is a fundamental book. If you're exploring these kind of things, let me grab it. Um, if you're asking these questions, and I hear it come from several different angles. Your why is what gets you out of bed in the morning. Your why is what motivates you. Your why is your calling. And I think all those things are true. The demographic, the why, and the niche. So to differentiate those three, the the why is the why. Why do you get out of bed? What excites you? Why are you still motivated? And then the demographic is the with whom. So that's the audience. And then the third one is the niche. And so the niche is the what. What's the product? Mm-hmm. Here's another book we'll throw into the mix. This guy wrote this amazing short book, Nail Your Niche. And I highly recommend it. But one of the things he talks about, which is so true, if you build it, they will not come. <laughs> you got to tell them you exist. <laughs> That's terribly challenging because you and 10,000 other voices are trying to break through the same fog of communication. But the one thing that I'm really, really convinced of is if you chase everything, you'll catch nothing. Mm-hmm. 
And so by going through the pain, the frustration, the time to identify very clearly those three things, what's my why, therefore, who am I serving? And therefore, what am I delivering? Why demographic niche? You can then say, who am I speaking to? So every LinkedIn post, every tweet, every Facebook post, every, what do you call it on Instagram? Uh, (laughs) I'm showing my boomer (laughs) ignorance. Every time you publish on Instagram, wherever you're at, what's the latest one that the Gen Z's and young TikTok, TikTok. Yeah. Everything you're doing on is speaking to those three things. And if it doesn't, then you don't. We have a saying called chasing the bright, shiny object. If your post is chasing a bright, shiny object, you didn't really write those three clearly enough. And you're probably wasting your time and energy. So in that regard, breaking through this fog of communication, the more you work to sharpen those three things, the more likely you are going to be to find somebody to come to this thing that you've built. It made me think like the customer's perspective, like they might have a very specific problem, but there's five different solutions. So they have their why, like I am frustrated as a leader. How does coaching compare to the alternatives that a leader might take? Like, I don't know, getting a degree or a certification Mm -hmm. or whatever else they might want to do. Yeah. So there's really two sides to the coin on this question. And one is, are you and I going to use our coaching skills to help them discover why demographic niche? So that's hats that you and I wear. But you and I also wear coaching accreditation hats where if your why is you want to serve and your demographic, whatever that might be, and your niche is coaching, then the coaching accreditation path is the right path. So I'll I'll just put our coaching hat on because when you're coaching, you're helping the leader that you're working with self-discover those things on their own. So when you and I are coaching, we're in the passenger seat and the leader we're working with is in the driver's seat. To quote Liam Neesham, you and I have a particular set of skills that help them facilitate discovery of those. So you're surreptitiously coaching me, asking me open-ended self-exploratory questions, and my mind is putting things together that it wouldn't otherwise without those open-ended questions. So you're not guiding me anywhere. You're using your coaching skills to facilitate me discovering things I need to do. You may serve as an accountability partner with your coaching role. So at the end of this, what are you prepared to commit to before we meet again or in the next year or in the next quarter? And then help me stay accountable to those things. So you know, having been a leader for 40 plus years now, I have a lot of stories. I have a lot of experience, but I'm not you. And I never will be you, even though you and I have lived together your whole life. I don't know your life experiences. You have a different wife than I have. You have a different child than I have. You're the one who knows those things best. And so as your coach, I would use my skills to help you discover your path, your why, your demographic, your niche. So all three together, you know, (laughs) we've kind of talked about each one a little bit. Sure. How do you look at Two Roads leadership in relation to the niche and the demographics and why? Yeah, I think in some way they're separate and distinct from me as an individual. I'm the lead facilitator on most things we do. So this cohort we just kicked off for the Australian boot camp last weekend. So the company, the organization has a very different focus than me as an individual. The process is just as valid for an inanimate corporation as it is for 
a living, breathing human. So you and I should revisit or clarify or further articulate what's the why of 2RL, what's the demographic that 2RL is serving, and what are the products? This is one of the things when you really dig into Find Your Why from Simon Sinek. At least this is my takeaway. He was talking to corporations much more than he was talking to individuals. And his favorite topic is Apple. He keeps talking about Apple's success, Apple's sustained success across many different product lines. And it was because they always knew their why as an organization. But the way he defines it for a corporation is very different than you would define it for an individual. Because the why for the corporation is, is it enduring? Can it survive changes in technology? Can it survive changes in culture? A lot of the people you and I work with are one-person businesses. When you think about it as an individual, what gets you up in the morning is very different than what's enduring for a corporation. I kind of got the same takeaway there where we even talk about an example where like the company makes like bull whips or something like mm-hmm. for like horse travel. And then, mm-hmm. you know, when the automobile takes over, like if their why was to help facilitate travel, they would have jumped on that industry. But yeah, that's a pretty big leap to think that I was making re- leather horse whips and that I could make a Y that would endure the transformation from horse to car. Mm -hmm. I'm in the transportation propulsion business, perhaps. And so instead of horsepower, I'm going to gas power. Uh, Yeah, it's an extreme example. but No, it is. And I think it's very valid, though. Yeah, most examples, it's like maybe you have 10 products that are, you know, not focused on your why and you pair them back, but not that you have to change industry so drastically. Yeah, I don't know if anybody survives that, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Now, I do look at Apple, Microsoft. They've endured because they kept the broad enough focus and were able to pivot. There's tons of literature on the innovator's dilemma, the founder's dilemma. A lot of those really great works talk about why is it so difficult to do that? You know, and the hardest part about doing this is every time you say yes to a narrower niche, you're saying no to people that you're working with right now today. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of the message from both of these books are maybe the entirety of the literature, even, you know, this other book, there's a third one I wanted to talk about, Mastering LinkedIn, uh, John Steimel, because he talks about a lot of the same thing. Are you focusing your message sufficiently that you're not saying no? So let's say you're in my coaching world right now and I strike coaching from my byline in LinkedIn and I say, I'll never write another thing that deals directly with coaching. I'll always talk about coach training. That doesn't mean I'm going to kick you out of my world. It just means I'm not writing to you. I'm not speaking directly to you. Mm-hmm. You're certainly still welcome in my world. I'm just not going to spend advertising dollars. I'm not going to write posts or even articles that don't address that very specific focus. I see a lot of analogies between what we've been talking about here this entire time and pursuing a doctorate. Because when you write a doctoral dissertation, you have to contribute to the literature. It's one of the requirements. So when you write your problem statement and your research study, how are you contributing to the literature? What are you discovering that doesn't exist today? Well, part of the reality of doing that is you go from this entire body of knowledge and you narrow it and you narrow it and you narrow it and you narrow it. And 
you end up with a sliver of literature and then you add to that sliver of literature. And so I keep reminding myself of the 7.7 billion people in this world. I'm literally only talking about a few thousand or a few tens of thousands that my coaching accreditation is specifically reaching out to, to bring them into that. You have to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, if it was like intuitive, you might have already done it yourself without getting advice to do it. You know, like it's always frustrating to like adjust something that you're already used to doing. Yeah. And, you know, in a couple sentences, you've really described why people need coaches, right? Why would somebody that's been leading for 40 years, CEO for 15 years, need to talk to anybody about what you want to do next? I was just talking to Rosalie a few minutes ago about the common sense phenomenon. Part of the magic of coaching is the common sense phenomenon. And that is once you see something, you're like, oh, yeah, that's coaching. (laughs) But until you've seen it, until you've participated, until you've experienced the magic, you're like, yeah, that'll never happen. So you've just described why we recommend people get coaches and the value you can bring to the market as a coach. Well, that concludes this episode of Building a Coaching Culture. I truly hope that this episode was helpful to you. If it was, be sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Maybe stop and give us a rating or a review and share this podcast with someone who might find it helpful as well. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>